Hello, welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand. I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist, certified functional medicine practitioner, nutritional therapy practitioner, and certified personal trainer. With those accolades, I run a functional medicine clinic worldwide via Skype and phone consultations, and I offer 15-minute free consults where you and I can chat about your health symptoms and your health goals. Most of the time, Ignoring your health symptoms does not resolve the issue. You have to dig deeper, figure out what in the world's going on. So my partner in crime, Dr. Justin Marcajani, if you're new to the show, he's a chiropractor who's taken extra education into functional medicine like myself. And today we're breaking down our approach. What do we use with our clients? It's a three body system approach. I hope you enjoy it. And check out my new resource page back on my website, notjustpaleo.com. You can check out the bone broth I've been using, and I love it. Here we go. Hey, Evan. It's Dr. J in the flash. How are we doing this Monday? Hey, man. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Can't complain. It's a little rainy Monday here in Austin. Uh, the grass is getting plenty of water, which is great. I got the fireplace on behind me, so it's got that wintry Christmas feel a little nice. bit. Excellent. Can't complain. How about you? Doing well, man. Hey, we were trying to record this thing, and then we had choppy audio, so I want to repeat what my little rant was because I thought it was important. I'm always curious about what is the catalyst for someone to work with yourself or myself, and I had a lady this morning who had been listening to us for six months, and she knew that she had problems. She had a lot of gut issues going on, but she continued to just listen to try to fix herself, and then she got the diagnosis of alopecia, and now she's lost over half the hair on her head, and now she's figured out that that's the time to come and get help, and I just want that to be a fire under people's butts listening that you shouldn't wait until things are so bad that you're at rock bottom before you get help, and unfortunately, that's the conventional system that we've all been brainwashed to do, which is we wait until we're really bad. We absolutely need a doctor or practitioner, and then we go get help. And my advice, get help now. If you have symptoms and things are off, and this is something you've you've trained me on so much. It's like, Evan, look, these issues are not going to resolve themselves. You have to resolve issues now. They're not just going to magically disappear. Did you want to speak on that a little bit about people just waiting too long or people just not having enough reasons so they think to get help? Yeah. Well, there was an interesting uh, scenario just recently. There was a plumber in my house uh, a few months back and he was doing some work and there was just like a leak on the faucet. And for some reason, the leak went away the next day. So there were two plumbers there and he goes down and looks and he couldn't find the leak. And he goes, well, maybe it just went away. And then his partner, the plumber next to him, spoke up and said, you know what? Leaks never go away on their own. If there's a leak, it's going to get worse. And he went down there and he looked and he said, okay, well, we just need more flow. And if he had more flow coming, it would start to leak. And he looked a little deeper back and he found the leak. And just the environment wasn't quite right enough for the leak to be expressing itself. But the whole idea was that these problems don't ever tend to go away by themselves. So that was kind of the moral of the story. And connecting it to your patient, it's, hey, if you have these symptoms, they're going to get worse. And the, the question is, how long do you want to wait until those symptoms, right? Pain, pay attention inside now. That's what symptoms are, whether it's aesthetic, whether it's inflammatory, whether it's mood or energy. How bad do they have to get before you start 
getting a, a fire under your butt, so to speak. Right. Well, and my grandparents, their old house, you know, they had issues with their plumbing and they had to wait until their entire basement was flooded and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of carpet and furniture was ruined due to the flood before they came in and got the issue. So maybe they saved, you know, a couple hundred bucks in the beginning, but then it cost them likely 10000 or more in the long run because they waited until things just hit an absolute worst-case scenario. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there listening that are trying to fix themselves, and you and I certainly applaud that. I mean, that's what this is all about, right? Taking your health into your own hands and us teaching you how to fish. But at a certain level, you really just have to reach out and and don't be afraid to get better and, and don't be afraid. You know, we're real people. We don't bite, and we're here for you. That's what this is for. The show is to inspire you and to help you, but there's nothing that's going to replace a one-on-one you know, with one of us, because there's so many courses and online things and things that you can look into, but it's not specialized. And I'm against specialization if you only look at one person. But, you know, something we're going to talk about today is functional medicine is the specialty, but we're breaking that down. We're, we're looking at someone, we're casting a net wide enough to look at every body system so that we're going to figure out what in the world's going on with somebody. 100%. And so, the template for how we treat patients is pretty unique for for us as functional medicine clinicians, right? There are a lot of nutritionists out there that will primarily just focus on the diet piece. There are a lot of medical doctors out there that I find that will a lot of times skip the diet, maybe focus on more of the hormones and ignore the gut. You have other people that will only work on infections, whether it's Lyme or a gut doctor. They're only focused on the infections. So the question is, how do we become the general or the ultimate general practitioner where we can pull the key issues from the infections, from the hormones, from the diet, from the lifestyle, from the digestive system and combine them together and mesh it so we put it all together in a way that is holistic, that represents the underlying cause from each person because that underlying cause percentage-wise may be different for each, meaning one person that may be 60% diet, 30% infections and 10% hormones, and others it may be 30% diet, 50% hormones, 20% gut. So you got to look at it from the perspective of what piece may be the bigger player, and it may not be the same for each person. So we may not know, but if we hit them all in the order that we consider to be the order of priority, that's going to give us the highest chance of hitting all of those um, key issues and not missing them. Right. And during the free calls, you and I block out just a few hours each month for free calls, which we're always booked up for those. And it's a true honor to be able to offer that to people. Absolutely. A lot of people ask us, hey, Justin or hey, Evan, you know, can you just tell me right now what tests we're going to need to run? And we can't because that involves a case review that involves looking at your history, looking at the fork in the road. When did things get bad? How long have things gotten bad? What else was going on at that time in your life in terms of stress and travel and relationships and moving? You know, so there really is no one size fits all program. Now, there are similar tests that we run on nearly everyone, but at the end of the day, it's so case by case. And I know people want to just get put into a box because it makes them feel comfortable. I mean, think of like Weight Watchers, right? You know, it's a point system and you can buy their little hundred calorie snack packs of pretzels, but that's a horrible box to be in and you don't want to be confined there. So it's, it's a box of functional medicine, but it's a box without boundaries too, because we never know what toolbox or toolkit we're going to need to reach into to pull something out specifically based on, on your symptoms. 
100%. So we want to kind of get things dialed in. And we have like the palette of our tests that we may choose from for body system one. That's like the hormonal system. And we break that up into ATF and ATM. Adrenals, thyroid, and female hormones for our female patients. And then our ATM, adrenals, thyroid, and male hormones. And depending on how deep we go is depending upon what kind of symptoms present themselves and how long the patient's been sick. Typically, the longer someone's been sick, it may be better to get more data so we can fine-tune the plan better, more specific to what's going on. If someone's been maybe not feeling good for just a little bit of time, maybe only a few years or maybe a few months, we may run less off the bat because we don't need as much data. Typically, the low-hanging fruit tend to work on people that aren't as chronic. So that's kind of a good rule of thumb. So our body system one test are going to typically include high-quality adrenal tests. Well, and that depends. I know we're going back and forth and testing, you know, the new BioHealth saliva test that'll be out soon. We've been using the Dutch for a bit of time. Um, we've been using the old BioHealth 201. I have lots of patients that come in with other subpar salivary hormone testing that, that come in. We also look at the DHEA sulfate, which is an adrenal marker of sex hormone precursors from the adrenals, DHEA sulfate. And then we'll also add on female and male hormones to those tests, whether it's female hormones, progesterone, estrogen, estrogen metabolites, the different kinds of estrogens, estradiol, estrone, estriol, whether we're looking at the DHEA metabolites like androstenedione or etocalanolone, those also get factored in, maybe even melatonin as well. So we'll look at all these different metabolites on the hormone side, and then depending on if they're showing with thyroid symptoms, we may even run a thyroid blood test where we're looking at all of the thyroid markers, TSH, T4 free in total, T3 free in total, reverse T3, T3 uptake, and thyroid antibodies. So those are kind of all of the hormonal tests that we may run, and we even have some different. We may even time it up on day 20 of a female cycle if, there's, if they're menstruating to get a window into where their hormones are tapping out. We may even look at a full month-long panel testing hormones every other day for a full month so we can get a window of ovulation and the ebb and flow of the hormones throughout the month just to make sure it's optimal for fertility. Yep, well said. So body system one, I mean, this is the foundation. You know, you talk about these people that just focus on the gut. And we've dealt with that. I mean, a lot of times, and I know you hear this just as much as me, if not more, oh, I've already been to 10 specialists or 20 specialists or 20 doctors. They all think I'm crazy. Or they said it was just the gut, they gave me antibiotics. If you don't get the hormones aligned and checked out, you're kind of wasting your time really because if you have cortisol issues, you're likely going to have leaky gut issues, which is going to leave you susceptible to infection. So it's like if we come in and just hit the gut, which we'll talk about in a minute, body system two, it's not really worth it, right? Because if you get the infection gone, but the leaky gut's still there due to the cortisol issues, I mean, that's kind of a bigger top of the food chain issue, right? 100%. And just backing up one bit, everything sits on a foundation. So the introductory foundation for everything is diet and lifestyle. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, but just to make sure we don't miss it, the foundation is going to be what you eat, when you eat, the quality of food that you eat, how you sleep, how you move, how you deal with stress and hydration. So that's going to be a really important piece of the puzzle, making sure we're eating nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory, low-toxin foods, making sure the diet is dialed in for you. Now, what does that mean for you? Well, if you're just a little bit sick, maybe you're kind of in the middle, it's not too bad, a paleo template may be good to start with. 
right? No grains, no legumes, no dairy. If we've been sick for longer, maybe we have a history of autoimmunity in the family, or there may be known autoimmunity in yourself or known autoimmune symptoms, well, the next step may be a autoimmune paleo template where we go to the next step, which is cutting out nuts, seeds, nightshades, and eggs. And then from there, if there's excessive gut issues, we may look at specific carbohydrate diet where we cut out salicylates and phenols and peel our vegetables and, and make sure everything's well cooked and mash our foods. We may even look at a GAPS approach where we focus more on bone broth and soups and and the same type of SCD stuff, more in a liquid, palatable, a liquid, more palatable type of form. And we may even go to a low FODMAP diet where we cut out the fermentable carbohydrates, fermentable oligo di mono and polysaccharides. So those are your, your your fermentable carbohydrates, your fermentable sugars. So we may add that piece onto it just to make sure that we're taking as much stress off the body. We're stabilizing blood sugar. We're not adding toxins from the pesticides and chemicals and GMO and Roundup and, and the glyphosate. And we're stabilizing blood sugar. We're not skipping meals. And we're making sure that we're sleeping good at night and we're hydrating appropriately in between meals or 10 minutes before so we're not diluting digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid. Well said. And there's a ton of overlap in all of those too. I mean, Time. you're going to be emitting gluten. You're going to be omitting yep. many of the dairy components, the inflammatory components that you're going to stay away from pesticides and chemicals. I had a guy the other day ask me, he said, well, I'm not sensitive to gluten. So do I still have to avoid it? I said, absolutely. There's no deficiency of gluten ever. And just because you don't think you're sensitive to it, some of your skin rashes and all that is probably caused from some type of food intolerance. You know, you don't have to be uh, doubled over in pain from eating a bagel to to necess you know to necessarily have to stay away from it, right? You don't have to be falling over and needing a morphine shot due to the pain from gluten if you if you have anything, any symptom, headaches. I mean, I had a lady who had migraines for twenty years, and it was amazing how simple it was just to get the diet and the gut cleaned up and the migraines went away. So um, I think people th expect massive, massive symptoms sometimes to be caused from gluten and otherwise they don't want to get rid of it. But you should just get rid of it. Yeah, my thing with grains and gluten is well, if you're going to cheat and you're going to do grains, number one, the safest grain for most people tend to be white rice. So that's tends to be an okay alternative if you're going to do a grain. If you're going to cheat, white rice it tends to be okay. Even better, try doing a safer starch. You know, yucca, plantains, sweet potatoes. Um, see, I said plantains, yucca, sweet potatoes, squash. Those type of safer starches tend to be a better alternative for most. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say taro too. Some people talk about taro, that. Taro, arrowroot, yeah. And then also if you're going to – like let's say you're like, I'm going to do bread. Well, sourdough bread is actually shown to have less gluten because of the fermentation process. That gliadin protein tends to be more dissolved in the fermentation process. So if you're going to go get all glutened out, take a look at the good, better, best side of it, right? Good or best would be abstaining and doing zero grains. Good may be – doing like white rice or better, sorry, better maybe doing like white rice or um, something that's fully gluten-free. And then third would be, all right, fine, you're going to do a gluten bread. Well, it's going to at least be fermented, i.e. sourdough bread. It's fermented. So the gluten and the compounds in there that may be more allergenic are decreased. But right. the other things that Evan and I still want to touch upon are the lectins, 
are the phytates and the oxalates, the mineral disruptors, the protein disruptors, and the high amount of pesticide and Roundup that are on some of these products. So you can at least reduce it by going organic and by going the sourdough method so it's at least fermented and soaked so the grains are going to be more palatable not have the mineral and enzyme disruptors. But again, better, right? Good, better, best. Best is going to be at least keeping the grains out. Um, good or better part is going to be, um, in between going like a rice protein and then like, you know, good would be doing the fermented sourdough bread option. Like I just mentioned. Yeah. And put it this way, it helps me sometimes to understand kind of the ancestral or the planetary perspective on this. These plants and these grains, they don't want to get eaten and digested, right? I mean, they want to pass their seed on through an animal and then it come out fully digested or un, you know, undigested, fully undigested so that that seed can go back into the ground and grow more grass or grain. I mean, that's the goal with birds and humans too. If it goes through and it's not getting digested, the goal is for that seed to be intact enough to grow more plants and they don't want to get eaten. So that, yeah. that, that's enough reason there that, that makes sense and really helped me be like, oh, man, wow, okay. And it's pretty simple, right? You know, from evolution standpoints, our role, I mean, it sounds crude, is just to be able to pass on our, our seed to our offspring, right? That's pretty much it. You know, be able to survive enough so you can procreate and pass on your DNA to your offspring. That's pretty much it. Now, there's two ways of doing it. There's having claws and weapons and tools and teeth so you can prevent getting attacked on or preyed on, right? That's like the wolf or the fox or maybe us with our weapons as humans. And then there's the, okay, I'm going to get eaten, right? Berries, grains, but there's going to be seeds and things that are going to keep the seed and the DNA intact. So eventually maybe it will go back and be able to grow again and pass on its offspring so it can live again, right? So there's two methods. It's either you're going to fight now or you're going to basically submit but live to fight another day by passing itself back into the soil again so it can grow. Yep. Yep. Should we move on to body system too? Yeah. And then last piece that is the foundation with the diet, I'd say, is also the emotions. So if there's a lot of emotional stress, like there's an active serious relationship issues, you know, not just like, hey, you know, you had a fight here or there, but you have active relationship problems. Maybe there's an active divorce issue. Maybe you're really problem with a child or a family member, or maybe a death of a loved one or serious work stress or stress at your church or where you go to, to, to have a spiritual connection or you excessively exercise a ton, right? Those kind of things need to be looked at because they can provide a lot of stress underlying. So we want to make sure there's not an active emotional issue because it affects the timeline in which we expect healing to occur. If you're actively going through a divorce or you're having serious work issues, we may say, hey, our goal is going to be just to dig our feet in and prevent us from sliding downhill. And we may not be able to gain a whole bunch of ground going uphill. Well said. Yeah. And I'll also mention the electromagnetic fields, which I've done oh, yes. countless podcasts on. I had a lady the other day, she heard a podcast about EMF that that was on the show and she bought a meter online and anything above one milligauss, a measure of magnetic fields is bad, right? And this lady had 50 
Milagos in her bedroom. And so she lives in San Francisco. She didn't believe it. She called the power company, as I told her to do, and they came out and they measured, and sure enough, it was about 25 or 30 milligauss. So her meter was pretty inaccurate, but it was accurate enough to detect the problem that warranted further investigation. And even the power company's like, whoa, this is insanely high. I mean, you'll see some people that say anything above three milligauss of magnetic fields, which comes from power lines, is is bad. But either way, 20, 50, that's insane. And so she's moving immediately. And she said she hadn't slept well for months. And kind of like my story that you and I chatted about when I had to move, I was measuring seven milligauss in my office. And I feel like I didn't sleep. So I mean, that's another cause of adrenal hormone issues that you and I are discussing and talking about with people because it's it's an invisible smoke, right? If you had glasses that you could wear and see this stuff, everybody would freak out. Uh, but it's invisible. Uh, and like my friend Eric Winheim says, it's like fighting a ghost. So you have to measure this stuff and, and mitigate it. And there's more. We won't go into more detail today, but just check out EMF in the search bar on the website and you'll be able to find you know more episodes. Absolutely. So we address the foundational pieces, diet, lifestyle, emotional stress, meal timing, nutrient density, toxins from the chemicals. Toxins are essentially the electromagnetic toxins, right? That's kind of in that toxin realm. Yep. We hit that. We talked about the hormones, ATM, ATF. And the next step is gut function slash gut infections. Now, typically when we start out with the diet piece, Depending on what's happening symptomatically, if we see a lot of reflux, a lot of bloating, let's say we have a history of vertical ridging in the nails, or we see a lot of undigested food particulate, or the stool looks grayer, or the stool floats, or we have poor hair quality or very dry skin, these are all symptoms that we're not digesting our food optimally. So to support the diet piece, we may bring some of the digestive support up forward and bring it into intro phase. What I mean is we may bring in some of the hydrochloric acid, some of the enzymes, some of the bitters, some of the digestive support to help stimulate digestion because we see that as supporting the intro phase. We're working on digesting foods and making sure that piece is dialed in. So that may have to be brought up forward because it's it supports the foundation. That's number one. Number two is we have to knock out the infections. So as we look at body system two, we really break it down into five steps. So number one is remove the bad foods. Number two is replace the enzymes and acids like I mentioned. So that's the digestive support to make the intro diet piece work better. Number three is repair. And repair means repairing the adrenals because we have to make sure that piece is there because we don't want to work on really healing the gut until we have the hormonal environment dialed in to help reduce inflammation and help heal the gut lining and help improve IgA levels, which is the localized immune system in the digestive tract. We also want to make sure healing nutrients are present for people that have extra gut inflammation or extra gut irritation. Things like L-glutamine and the healing nutrients, the licorice root, um, deglycerized licorice root, maybe slippery elm, maybe cat's claw, maybe some gentle amino acids like L-glutamine and Jerusalem artichoke, et cetera. These are healing nutrients that help that gut lining. Number four is the removing of the infections. And we're able to remove the infections most adequately because of the three phases before it, because of the removing the foods, the replacing the enzymes and acids, the repairing the gut lining and the adrenals. Now we can come in and we can start working on removing the infections. And the infections are going to be specific to the stool test we recommend to pick up the infection. 
So if H. pylori comes back or fungus comes back or various multiple parasites come back, those all need to be uh, specifically addressed with unique protocols for each. And then number five is going to be the re-inoculation with probiotics, really reseeding all of the good seeds after the weeding's been done. And then number six is going to be the retesting to make sure, one, infections are cleared, and two, there are no new infections as last podcast talked about, making sure there are no resistant infections that were burrowed in deeper that are showing their ugly head. And the only exception would be adding probiotics in the repair phase because sometimes probiotics can have an anti-inflammatory effect. And depending on how bad the gut is, we may add some probiotics in the, re the repair phase as well as the re-inoculation phase to help support gut healing and inflammation. Well said. And I want to speak just for a minute and see if you want to add anything to it about the topic of antibiotic use and infections there's a lot of hate on the internet about herbal remedies for infections you know whether it's an md or a naturopath or someone you know getting in an argument about saying oh herbs don't work you have to use triple therapy or this antibiotic or this antifungal prescription and there's very 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 few cases where it takes us more than one or two rounds to get rid of an infection using just herbs, no prescription. So could you add something to that conversation too? I would say 95% of patients can address their gut function and their gut infections with herbs alone. 5% of the time we may have resistant bugs that we've treated, retest, still there. Treated, retest, still there. Treated, retest, still there. And it's two, three times and we're not able to knock it out. But I let people go and on the third time we knock it out. So. The antibiotics may be an option for some people. The conventional antibiotics that are typically run, like the metronidazole, the flagyl, which are the most commonly prescribed ones for these infections, tend to miss the infection about two-thirds of the time. And then a lot of times the antibiotics prescribed for your typical triple therapy for H. pylori, like clarithromycin, amoxicillin, and or omniprazole, like Prilosec, acid-blocking medications, tend to do the same kind of thing. They'll miss the infections a third to half the time. Well, what about again, this too? What about creating more resistant strains due to the antibiotics that have been so overused, which then makes our job a little bit tougher because people have gone through rounds and rounds of this crap and it's done nothing. Exactly. That's the problem is you run the risk of having these antibiotics not work in a time where maybe you really need them, like you get in a car accident or you step on a, a rusty nail or some, some kind of infection that's more acute and more severe based on the exposure of the microbes. So I'm always about conservative to invasive, right? What's the most conservative type of care off the bat? It's always going to be diet. It's always going to be lifestyle. It's always going to be using antimicrobial herbal medicines that have been around for literally thousands of years that have a strong safety profile, that have the ability to use them long-term without resistance, yep. and also aren't going to wipe out as many other microbes, any other beneficial microbes that may be present that are helpful for your gut. We won't wipe those out and create more problems. I can't tell you how many patients I've seen that have been on antibiotics and had devastating side effects, and now we're treating them from the damage caused by the antibiotics in the beginning. I've seen it so many times. Don't see it with herbs though, but I've seen it all the time with antibiotics. So I'm always very conservative and we go up in, in gradations 
on what step one is, herbs, step two, herbs, step three, maybe herbs. And then if we're still having issues, then we go and we lean towards the antibiotics, typically on step three most of the time. Yep, yep, well said. And just the fact that this has been used, the herbs that we're talking about, they've been used for thousands of years before antibiotics were invented. To me, that says something about the success rate and the safety. So when people read concerns about herbs, a lot of times the concerns are unwarranted unless you're talking about mixing herbs with pharmaceuticals like you know mixing 5-HTP and SSRIs and stuff like that. Yeah, you can get into trouble, but generally there's really nothing to be concerned about compared to the tens and if not hundreds of thousands of people dying due to medical error. That's now the third leading cause of death. Did you know that? medical error. Wow. So, so this is, this is real. This isn't something we're just saying on our, on our high horse. You know, this is for real. Look at CDC death or medical top causes of death. You'll see medical error. And this is from the proper, you know, or this is the prescribed rather is what I meant to say. The prescribed dose of a medication is still causing third leading cause of death, medical error. Yeah, I know, I know Barbara Starfield has her prize article in the Journal of the American Medical Association 2000 all on how much medications and surgical procedures done correctly, right? Hey, the surgery was a success, but the patient died. Hey, the prescription was, was perfect according to what the patient's symptomatology was, but the patient had an ulcer and died, right? Just like that happens with ibuprofen 19,000 times a year, according to the New England Journal of Medicine. So we know there's a risk with conventional treatments. So we want to be as conservative as possible so we don't have to go to those type of higher risk procedures. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. So yeah, the infections are huge. I mean, Justin and I, we have more podcasts on that talking about our own history with infections. So not only are we in the trenches helping others remove them, but we're doing it on ourselves too. So this is this is a huge piece and has been instrumental for me to get my my weight back when I've lost, you know, 20 pounds of muscle from infection. So this is a real big deal and something that has to be addressed. Correct. And I think the key thing too is we're not anti-medication. Right. We're all about using the correct tool at the right time, but also weighing the pros and cons. Like if we're, you know, we got our tool bag on or our tool belt on, right? And we have all these different tools in our tool bag, right? And we look at this screw and it's, you know, the flat head groove in it. So we know I got to pull my Phillips head out, right? I'm not going to look at that screw and be like, well, screw this. My dogma is not going to allow me to use this flathead, throw it away and then try to put the, um, the, the Phillips in there and try to work it. So let's say it's a, a flathead groove. I'm not going to look at my flathead screwdriver and throw it away and say, I'm going to try using a Phillips, right? I'm going to go and say, well, this is the right tool for it. So I'm going to put it in and I'm going to use the correct tool based on what's presenting itself. That's like you get in a car accident we're not going to look at the patient and say, great, let's just throw you on some turmeric right now right. and call it a day. No, we're going to say go to the ER, get the correct test to make sure there are no fractures, no bleeds, no hemorrhaging. You may even want to be on some um, higher dose pain meds. You may want to avoid the opiate ones, right, because of the addiction, but maybe some higher dose pain meds acutely just because you're in severe trauma and pain. And then we'll get you stabilized and then we'll get you on a really good routine after. So we look at the right routine. If we see that flathead groove, we're reaching for the flathead screwdriver. We're not reaching for the Phillips. Yeah, absolutely. And if you break your arm, yeah, you don't go take a dose of turmeric and fish oil. I mean, you need to get that checked out and make sure there's no internal bleeding, et cetera, et cetera. So there's no trophy for, for trying to be a hero and dismissing the acute, incredible, 
trauma medicine that that is offered. You know, it's just the things we're dealing with, they're 1, 5, 10, 20, 30 year chronic issues. And that's where functional medicine tends to have far superior success rates, you know, 90 plus percent success rates that you and I both have. Exactly. And some of the things that are talked about regarding antibiotics, and I'll put some of the research in the show notes, but antibiotics can create oxidative stress and mitochondrial dysfunction. That's a big issue. So the mitochondria is going to be the powerhouse of the cell, which is going to help generate ATP, which is like the fuel currency for energy, and also creates oxidative stress, which is just a way of breaking down your body, right? Oxidation, you leave a rusty nail out in the rain, it gets all rust, or you leave a nail out in the rain, it gets rusty because of that oxidation process. We have internal rusting doesn't quite show itself like that brownish rust, but it happens. <clears throat> it happens internally, and that creates a depletion of a lot of your antioxidant reserves. So your body has to use up more vitamin C, use up more vitamin E, use up more nutrients that would typically be used for other healthy functions. So oxidative stress and mitochondrial dysfunction are a side effect of some of these antibiotics use. So we really want to make sure if we're using them, <clears throat> excuse my frog in my throat, we want to make sure they are used appropriately uh, for the right situation. <laughs> well said, yeah. And I'll briefly mention, typically for body system two, we're going to be looking at comprehensive stool testing. We've discussed that. So whether it's PCR-based testing or otherwise, and then also the organic acids testing. So you hear us talking, maybe it sounds fancy, mitochondrial issues, amino acid metabolite problems, etc. But we can see, and I see it all the time, vitamin C levels, very, very, very low across the board most time on organic acids, which is a urine test that you do at home, and then you send that back to the lab, and then we go over the results. And then stool testing, you're going to be able to find infections, you're going to go through the protocol, and then you're going to retest, and the infections are going to be gone. So that's that's it for body system two. Let's go on to body system three, Justin. So detox, methylation, making sure that people are able to actually do things at the end of the line. Once everything has happened, once a good digestion's happened, you've absorbed your minerals, your colon's helping to produce vitamins for energy, your probiotics are doing the things they should be doing. Now it's time to get the stuff out of the body. We're hoping the liver's gonna be able to do what it can do. We're hoping you're pooping, right? I mean, people buy all these fancy detox powders and teas, but it's like if you're not pooping, but once a week, that's a huge issue. That's a great way to detox. Poop and pee. How simple and revolutionary is that? 100%. Poop, pee, breathing, and sweating. It's like I'm unreal. So looking at a lot of the detox things, certain nutrients are required to detox. So you can see why number three, why detox is put number three. Let's just break that down so everyone can get the understand the concept. Again, in this show, we're really – committed to being able to teach concepts because if you get the concept there's zero memorization involved in it once you get the concept it's like riding a bike you get back on boom you never have to go to that learning curve of falling so what's the concept so number one if we're eating poor foods and eating toxic foods and foods that are nutritionally poor what happens to detox just... automatically impaired yep Right. So why are we going to work on detox off the bat? Because if we just get that first phase done, we're starting to work on detox, even though we're not working on it directly, 
because it's body system three, we already work on it in the intro phase, number one. Number two, we actually start breaking down the foods. That means we start breaking down the proteins into their smaller amino acid constituents, and we know how important the sulfur-based amino acids are for operating phase two detoxification. Phase two is like the N-acetylation, hydroxylation, the glutathione production, the methylation, and we need methionine, and we need cysteine, and glutamine, and glycine, and taurine, and all these really important sulfur aminos. And if we can't break down our protein constituents into those smaller products, you know, ripping off the pearl necklace and pulling off the individual pearls, that's what it's akin to. If we can't do that, we're not going to be able to run phase two. And then frankly, we need lots of antioxidants and B vitamins to run phase one. So if we have SIBO or dysbiosis, well, our probiotic production internally from our gut bacteria is automatically thwarted or downregulated because we know good bacteria in our gut produces a lot of those nutrients for us, right? Good bacteria eats poop and poops nutrition, B vitamins, antioxidants, nutrients. Bad bacteria eats nutrition and poops poop. Bad bacteria makes you more toxic. So what is the more toxicity from the bad bacteria due to body system three? It decreases its function. So you can see how we lead up to diet and lifestyle. We lead up to digesting food. We lead up to healthy gut bacteria, knocking out infection, addressing the flora, because all of that sets the stage for body system three. So we can come in there and really support the nutrients that are missing, the pathways that aren't working properly. And we can potentially even knock out specific heavy metals if we see heavy metals are in there with other types of chelators and compounds to pull the metals out. And some of the tests we do – well, I'll take a breath there, Evan. Any comments? Yeah. I mean well said. I wanted to mention this comes at the end because we want to make sure that everything else has been addressed upstream. I mean – we're not going to go straight to detox if we know that you have infections and we know that you're still getting, let's say, artificial sweeteners in your diet, which can be placing a burden on the liver, right? So we want to see the liver and your detoxification abilities and methylation. This includes anybody with like MTHFR genetic defects. This includes you too. All that other stuff's got to be taken care of first because we want to see what the actual baseline is, not the baseline when you are doing so much sugar and alcohol and bad fats and artificial sweeteners and all of that that's got the burden on the liver. So once we get all that stuff out of the way, then we take a look at body system three. It's like, oh, okay, so this is the true baseline. And then, yeah, we can look for heavy metals from dental fillings, amalgams, you know, bad food, bad water, too much tuna fish, other environmental exposures. And then we can start helping to get the detox system working better because if you're not pooping well and you have an overburdened liver, you're just going to be recirculating all these toxins. So then you're going to get the joint pain and the allergies and the asthma and the skin problems, the headaches, the brain fog, alcohol intolerance. I mean we could go on and on, but you got to get all that other stuff taken care of first. So if you go straight to detox or somebody tries to sell you on some detox protocol first when you don't even know if you have leaky gut or not, I would be – cautious and maybe you have more to say about that but i don't like the idea of of pushing stuff out of people's body if they don't even have enough trash men to come gather all of the trash at the end of the road yeah 100 percent. so we have everything lead up to it and i think you emphasize the whole leaky gut part right because the leaky gut as you mentioned is really the consequence of all of the inflammation the inability to break down food the compromised immune system, and then the infections. All of that will lead to leaky gut. So leaky gut isn't necessarily um, 
a result. It's more of an effect of all of the inflammation and the damage. Yep. Right? The gluten, the bad foods, all of the inflammation. So that's kind of the end product that you get there is leaky gut. So looking at everything that you mentioned, how do we quantify it? Because you put some really good points out there. How do we actually know what's going on from the detoxification side? Well, we'll look at an organic acid test. Typically is a good starting point. So we'll get a window into various detoxification pathways, whether it's pyroglutamate or other types of organic acids, sulfate. These are organic acids that will give us a window into how those sulfur aminos are doing, if the demand for them is higher or if they're depleted. And we'll also get a window into B vitamin status. We'll get a window into methylation. And we'll also get a window into oxidative stress by looking at the 8-hydroxy-2-deoxyguanosine, for instance. Again, these are all like Jeopardy words, but these are organic acids that give us a window into all these systems, whether it's xanthiureate for B6, whether it's the amino acids for the brain with vanillamandolate or homovanillate or 5-hydroxy-indoloacetate, or whether it's markers for gut bacteria like heparate and benzoate. So these, these markers give us a big window into what's happening, and the organics can really help tell us what's happening there from some of those detox nutrients. And we may even look at like a SpectraCell or a NutriEval as well. Again, I lean more towards the organics. That's my baby. Yep. The NutriEval combines the organics with another blood test for nutrients too. So that's a, another side option, which at least does contain the organics. And that gives us a good window into what's happening. But we always go back to intro, body system one, hormones, ATF, ATM, uh, body system two, the ability to digest, removing food allergens, healing the leaky gut, repairing the gut lining, removing infections, adding in probiotics and retesting because we got to make sure new infections aren't there and the old ones are gone. Number body system three is going to be detox and nutrients. And that's typically where we follow suit. And we reserve the right to kind of move some things in. Like if I know someone has a ton of oxidative stress, I may throw some extra vitamin C that we may discover on an organics test. I may throw it in with the adrenal protocol. So we do things and we mix and match uh, outside of that box a bit. So if any patients are listening, they may think, well, Dr. J gave me some detox support in body system one, and that's going to be dependent <laughs> upon how that person's presenting, how sensitive they are, and how bad their detox is. We may add some small things in with body system one because maybe the adrenal support's too much for their liver, and we need to give their liver just a little bit of support so they don't have a lot of those uh, hormone side effects. Totally. Well said. I'm going to mention two things, and then we can wrap it up. One cool. for me on the organics, which I just love, is the quinolinic 5-HIAA ratio, yep. looking at inflammation, because you could go on and on and sound fancy, but when someone sees inflammation, and you're like, look, th here it is. It's like, oh, crap, because inflammation, you know, even a conventional physician is going to talk about inflammation as a cause of disease, right? And so when we can actually prove that to a client or a patient, it's incredible, and it's very profound to be able to do that. And then whether it's three, four, six months later when the retest comes and you can see that that number has gone down, it's very, very rewarding for both of us. And lastly, the toxin piece too, something that Justin and I have been talking about a lot and and I'm running on, I'm running this test on 
nearly everyone I possibly can now, including yep. myself, is the GPL talks. So I can look at the toxic load because I bought a sauna based on my toxic load of insecticides. And this is not a challenge or a push test. So even the sickest people, we don't have to worry about doing any type of chelation, which may push some stuff out. You just urinate in, a, in the morning in a cup and you send it off. And the cool thing is you can run it side by side with the organics. So it's literally the same urine sample. All you have to do is spend a little bit extra investment to get both tests run, organics and GPL talks at the same time. And I had insecticide levels in my body that are known carcinogens that were higher than they should be. And so for me, this is a huge, huge, huge new realm of opening up is look, we know there's detox problems. Let's fix it. But what are we actually fixing? You know, that had always been the question, right? Ooh, there's detox problems. Man, you got headaches. You got chemical sensitivity. You can't handle perfumes, gas fumes. Look, here's why. And, oh, man, is there anything more fun in the world than this? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like we're CSI detectives without all the, the murder and blood, right? Yep. We're trying to put together the, the puzzle piece that's really getting people's uh, quality of life back. So just summarizing those tests, we run the organics tests. We run maybe the OAT, which is the, the, the Great Plains Lab organics. We run the GPL Tox. We may run the Nutri-Eval, the SpectraCell, and then we have the heavy metal challenge test where we challenge with a chelation compound like DMPS or DMSA or EDTA to get a window into the toxic burden of metals because metals don't want to stay in systemic circulation. They don't want to stay in the blood. They only go in the blood acutely in that first 24 to 48 hours. Then they go into the tissue, yep. whether it's the brain or the individual tissues, or even bones when it comes to lead. So we gotta get a window into it, so we have to do a challenge, a provocation agent that can go in into the tissues and really kind of pull things out. It's like, hey, you go outside, you look for bees, there may not be any bees swarming around, but if there's a beehive there, well, the provocation agents, the rock into the beehive, right? You know those bees are in that beehive when those uh, when that rock hits it and those bees come out, that's the provocation agent. So we use that same kind of methodology with the heavy metal test. The rock is like the chelation compound that we use to see what's coming out in the urine. And a lot of times we see aluminum, we see arsenic, we see cadmium, and we see a whole bunch of mercury and lead. And it's different for each person. Yep, absolutely. And then you got the blood metals too. Quicksilver's blood metals is cool. There's a mercury yep. tri-test too for hair, blood, urine. There's so many different things out there a lot of them are good a couple of them are bad but you know we'll help you to make the distinction what is right for you and this is case by case some people they may not need to investigate metals other people they'll come to us and they'll say evan or justin man i got metal problems and they just have a gut feeling and in those cases i say okay cool let's get you checked out it's not going to hurt it can only help you to investigate so if you have a gut feeling and that gut feeling can be disrupted obviously if you have gut problems right because the inflammation in the gut you might be getting mixed signals but if you have a gut feeling ask us and let us help you to investigate if it's something we didn't bring up yet or maybe it's early in the game and we wanted to do it later just bring it up because you never know you could be on to something that we just haven't got to yet and that may save us you know a month or two of, of time Absolutely. And again, we'll have the show notes for everything, the full transcription. Again, in my new thyroid book that will be coming out very soon, just putting the finishing touches on it, we're going to have a chapter in the book all on this type of discussion, putting it all together. Because I feel like this is probably one of the key pieces that most functional medicine practitioners and doctors really 
it's very esoteric. It's kind of in the ether. Like, how does it all look? Like, what does the whole plan look like? And it's just kind of like you feel like almost like they're making it up as they go. And I think it's really important if you're going to, you know, you're going to hike Mount Everest, so to speak. I want to see that map. I want to know how we're going to go up there. I want to know how we're going to navigate that crevasse and, and get across that, that ledge or that cliff. I want to kind of feel like it makes sense when we get direction. So I think that's a really important piece that we're adding is that clarity and that, you know, what's our fu- future pacing vision? How are we getting to the top? Yep. Amen. Anything you want to add there, Evan? I don't think so. I think this was great and fun as always. Real honor. If people want to schedule, go to Justin Health, J-U-S-T-I-N, JustinHealth.com to schedule with Justin. If you want to schedule with myself, go to NotJustPaleo.com. And like I said, we both block out just a few hours. So, you know, if there's a spot available, you want to grab it for the 15-minute free call. See if we're a good fit. You know, discuss your options together. Justin and I are happy to do that. And we look forward to helping you all out. You know, listening to this is one thing. Getting in the trenches with us is another. And, I mean, without functional medicine, I would likely still be uh, dealing with depression and irritable bowel syndrome and skin issues and fatigue and insomnia and adrenal problems. I mean, every aspect, everything that could have gone wrong was wrong in my body systems and just one by one plucking these things off the list. And there's never a finish line, right? I mean, it's always a continual journey. So you're just always pushing to the next step ahead. And this is your time. You know, you don't have to suffer. Love it. I appreciate the hope and the inspiration, Evan. Yes, sir. Great chat. Great chat. Look forward to chatting with you very soon. You too. Take care. Have an awesome day. You too. Bye. Bye. He acts like it's all good. Yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss a girl and I never please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible rules. Why I'm in a tie, I gotta watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.